You're listening to The Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out about our pod brethren and how to join our new Discord group and support the show at greenlitpodcasts.com and patreon.com slash spirithunterpod, respectively. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 51 of The Spirit Hunters. This is Patrick, Joe, and Sarah, and Megan, and Hannah. Actually, Megan and Hannah aren't here. <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah, you probably should be the one to say it <laughs> Anyways, last time we watched Gon and Killua join forces with their good old frenemy, Hisokiya, in order to beat Razor and his gang of gym pirates in a great tournament of sports. This week, we'll continue covering the great game of dodgeball in Hunter Hunter history. The, sorry, this week we'll continue. The, this week we'll continue to cover the greatest game of dodgeball in Hunter Hunter history. Not a dodgeball game, the greatest. You better get ready. Bam! Pull out a rocket launcher, shoot that, throw a hand grenade, whatever sound effects that indicate booming sounds. Let's go. Okay, boomer. Uh, anyways, we're starting with episode seventy. Guts and Courage, a.k.a. Konjo to Yujo. Originally released in Japan on March 10th, 2013, the equivalent manga chapters are 163 through 166, which were released in Japan on November 18th, 2002. Happy near Thanksgiving, I guess. The equivalent 1999 apps are 84 through 86, which were released in Japan on March 7th, 2004. All right, so... The start of the episode, so right after Razor literally knocks Gon's socks off, Gon gets back up and he just stubbornly decides to use back so that way he can catch the ball. Uh, Gon's team starts out with the ball since Gon deflected it into the ceiling above him. So the ball, it never actually comes down. Instead, it's either like completely destroyed or it's stuck in a little crater. And so Gonoru now has a ball. He throws it directly at his uh, black gorilla clone thing. And he actually then switches it with Razor. Um, and which and the ball hits Razor directly in the face. Uh, it seems like it's a little victory, but uh, just kidding. Because uh, number 13 throws number 2. Uh, to catch and throw back the ball before it hits the ground. Uh, <laughs> Nani? <laughs> I'm making with these notes. <laughs> Nani! Uh, so the, the ball actually ends up hitting uh, Gorinu, and it knocks him out. And it because he's completely knocked out, his Nen Gorilla disappears completely, so they are left with one less player on the field. I guess two, since Gonry is knocked out. Either way, it's bad. <laughs> so, Razor throws the ball directly at Kilowa, and the intensity of it has Kilowa dodging to the right, um, but the ball actually makes a sharp turn um, heading towards Bisky and Hisoka. 
They both manage to dodge it, and it actually lands on number five on the outside of the court. Number five throws it directly at Hisoka's head, um, but he catches it with bungee gum, um, with property which has the properties of both rubber and gum. In case you guys didn't somewhere. know. <laughs> and Hisoka, he takes little damage from the throw. Um, I yeah, don't know. Wait, hold, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure to verify this. So, mm -hmm. so bungee gum does indeed have the properties of both rubber and gum, right? Yes, it's not neither nor a rubber nor gum. It's both. <laughs> okay, so you know how you know how his power is based on that gum that he liked as a kid. Yeah. Do you think that the fucking tagline for that gum was like it's like rubber and gum? That would make sense, but what about if it's rubber Zor gum? Yeah, rubber rubber's exclusive or gum. You some pieces have the rubber property, some pieces have the gum property. It's very weird. And none <laughs> of them have both. Yeah, none of them have both. That, that's that's a sin, I guess. Yeah, so I always think of this as like Bazooka Joe, which really just has the properties of chalk and shit. Um, I know. I kind of I kind of compare it to Charleston Chew. It contains the properties of both disgusting and vomit. I thought you were going to say oh. the properties of Charleston and Chu. Every, every <laughs> that would have been better. I, well, I personally won't think of, I always think of Bubblicious, which is the properties of Bubba and Licious. Oh, you, well, lucky for you. It turns out Bungie Gum only has a six foot range. <laughs> damn. Wait, no, that's Bubble Tape. God damn it. What What about Hubba Bubba Gum? Bubba Gum? What does that contain properties what of? What about the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company? Oh, uh, that contains the properties of, of no legs and legs? Yes, that contains the properties of... God damn it, never mind. Anyways. Of forest and gump. Yes, of forest and gump. That contains the properties of box and chocolate. Damn. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm done, I'm done. Again. All right. <laughs> and uh, so, Kiloba, he realizes that if he had actually dodged and left, he probably would have died uh, implying that razor is a stone cold murderer um but due oh to my some, god yeah so due but due to some bullshit bisky is out and because the ball actually hit her dress <laughs> yeah i was wondering like when i watched the episode i was trying to figure out why she got out i knew it hit something um but I didn't realize it's her, just her clothes. It's more obvious in the manga and 99 because they show her clothes like completely singed and there's a hole in them. Oh, versus, yeah, they you kind know, of that makes more sense physically. Yeah, they kind of make it more of a surprise in the in the 2011 version. But I'll go we'll, I'll get into that in the manga notes because they actually do have a change for that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. Didn't mean to steal your thunder. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. The property of Ruined robbery my... and thunder. No, more like the property of dick and asshole. No, that's that's uh, that's a certain process that we will... Anyways. Is that when you go to Ram Ranch? <laughs> yeah, oh my god, I was never expecting a Ram Ranch reference on here. Anyway, with the properties of both Ram and 18, Ranch. <laughs> 18, 18 strong men users in the in the backyard okay. of Ram Ranch. <laughs> Yo, we need to make a Ram Ranch uh, remix specifically for Hunter Hunter. Anyways, continue. Any So... Hisoka only broke two fingers in that um, when he caught the ball, you know, no big deal. And he didn't use Ko. 
um, Kiloa and Hisoka attempt to come up with a plan, um, but Gon is pretty stubborn. He won't take the victory if it's not a head-on win. Um, Gon's just a stubborn AF. He's just mad and he's just hella competitive. So it's it's either just this one way or the highway. I was, I was about to sing that. Was, what's that song? It's like, ah, da, 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 all night long. I, I mean, you basically that. sang it just now. Oh, well, I did, so. Yeah, I keep thinking of that. I I keep forgetting the name of that song. I, I just call it... I, I think it's Gin Blossoms Do That. Maybe? I don't know. Hmm. I'll, I'll just sing Ram Ranch next time. I thought you were going to go to the Limp Bizkit song that said sing about, like, my way. Oh, I actually don't know that song. Don't worry. <laughs> roll and uh, roll? No. So... It's Gon's next. It's Gon's turn to serve the ball. Um, Kila holds it out um, as Gon builds up his power to punch it, and it does like the whole rock paper scissors training exercise that they were doing earlier. So first comes rock, and then rock paper rock, and he basically kame. Oh my god, kame me. I forgot how to say this. Kamehameha? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it, uh, it's like, I think she, it was spelled like, she misspelled Kame, it, yeah. Kame. <laughs> it looks like, it looks, it looks like K-Mames. <laughs> oh, I, I guess she spelled it like Kamehames. So like she's skipping one, but that's not yeah. how, yeah, you get the idea. Basically, I was thinking like, like Hadouken style. <laughs> yeah. So the last ha in it means wave. So ah. it's, that's why it should be there. Ah, that makes you sense. Must, you got to defeat Gone Freaks to, to, was it, was it, you need to defeat Gone, Gone Freaks to stand a chance. stand a chance, yeah. <laughs> so basically the ball um, hits number 13, knocking it out of the, out of the court. Um, even though it tries to catch it. And Kilua, after the whole thing, he looks a little off. Um, so it's, it's something, it's not, I feel like it's from some foreshadowing. Um, like he's definitely like, I know it's like he's keeping his hand in his pocket and not in like a cool pose, like to, cause you know, Kilua is a cool kid, but more like, oh, he's probably hiding something. Um, Oof, yeah, and... hopefully his hands are okay. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I guess we'll see. Uh, so they send another one flying at Razor, which is a perfect hit. It seemed like there's no way that he's going to catch it, and he won't. Um, but instead, he actually receives the ball, um, like volleyball, so... Which begs the question, why didn't he pick volleyball <laughs> uh, for this sport? So, yeah, he still basically receives the, vo the ball and hits it straight um, up, kind of like in a very lobbing fashion. Um, Hisoka uses his bungee gum, which has the properties of both rubber and gum, to pull the ball back over to um, their side. Razor Wait, hold on. I'm, I'm still confused. So, so, so his his powers does contain the properties of both rubber and gum, right? Not just one or the other, or yes. or 
exclusive or okay i just want to verify just just to make sure yeah and and now razor has both the power of out and back oof well not back anymore yeah true that one I was a little confused about because I thought in the other episode they talked about how if a someone is out, they can't. That same person can't use back. No, they said they can use back. They just said that if you're the last person left, you cannot use back, so you have to use it before then. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Okay. Oh, well, eh. all right. So Tuscara, he notes how injured the entire team is especially Kilawa um he's been since he was holding in um the ball um so that Gon's power um when he was powering up he had barely any Nen coating his hands so essentially he was using his bare hands as a cannon um and his hands are destroyed, like straight up decaying. <laughs> and Tuscara offers to hold the ball since he knows the technique to keep him safe. Um, but Gon refuses since Kilua is basically like his good luck charm. He trusts and believes Kilua, and this is the only way that um, he can win if Kilua's holding the ball for him. Uh, yeah, that was kind of weird. I, it, I guess it just sort of. Uh harkens back to both Gon's stubbornness and his uh, his trust in his friends, which I guess could be a double-edged sword in each each of the manners. Yeah, Megan actually has a note here about it if you want to read it, Sarah. Yep. Uh, so Megan's note. I'm always on the border for this one. While it's very sweet that he trusts his friends, which is like an ongoing theme with Greed Island, uh, he's also putting Kilawas uh, at risk for permanent damage. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm very much on the, hey, this is actually a terrible thing to do. Um, and the reason being that, um, so basically, have you guys heard about how Miyazaki is as a boss? Hayao uh, Miyazaki. Awful. Yes. yes. And, but the thing is, he's a former Marxist. And people often wonder, like, how can he be such a terrible boss like that exploits his workers so much? But the reason is that he himself treats himself the exact same way but he expects everyone else to be as dedicated and as insane as him. And mm. so this is like that where it's just like, oh, Gon wouldn't ask you to do something he wouldn't do himself. But guess what? Gon's fucking like insane and like he should not be asking other people to do this shit. Right. Yeah, no, I I kind of, in a way, have that same mentality as Miyazaki. Not as crazy, but the, the idea that, that when I put like, I mean, I do so much shit and I put out so much shit for like, or just do a lot of stuff for showing different other stuff. And it's like, sometimes I have that, the vibe when like, and it's just not, it goes beyond like Shiro and all the other, but just like in general where I feel that if I'm putting it out, I expect other people to put that much out, but it's like, maybe what I'm putting out is not, is, is unreasonable in that respect. You know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, for, for sure. I, I, I don't think necessarily that everyone has to do the same level, but I would never ask anyone to do more than me. But I think the second component of that that is necessary for this to be healthy is you have to have a sense of self-preservation, which clearly Gon does not. Yeah, and, and it definitely, it definitely, because sometimes I do get irritated when, like, it, like initially irritated when people don't do that same amount of effort I do, but then I realize, oh wait, this is not, this is your sort of, uh, this is your sort of thing that you're putting out yourself. So I use the mentality where it's like, 
it's like I'm putting it out because I want to do it and it's just something I want to do and just put myself through it. But I have to remind myself sometimes that it's like, well, Patrick, you're putting out the shit ton of work and doing all this stuff, but people also have lives as well and they need to, they can't, you can't expect them to do this much and do this and that and do this to that amount or this perfection. Yeah. No, I mean, exactly. It's just like, even if you're willing to do something, one, it's bad to like make other people necessarily do it. Like you should all agree on it. But two, holding other people to the exact same standard just because you're willing to do it, whether or not they have like different abilities, desires, or like whether or not you sort of own them in their body, like it's it's just like a bad way to be. Yeah, no, and it's it's a struggle though as a creative as a creative that leads a team, creative that works with a team or leads a team though, if you know if you know what I mean. For sure, for sure. But you can burn yourself out doing this shit and then burn out other people if you're really not careful. Yeah, and that's always the balance that I, I try to find and look for where I go hard, but I also know when to take a break. It's it's difficult for sure, at least in yeah. my mind. And I hope one day I'll be able to find a good balance. But hopefully, I'm not uh, I'm not that ins- that insane as as high, as Miyazaki though. Yeah. Uh, another thing, expect us to talk more about this subject in 50 episodes. Down. <laughs> Yeah, so I think for my perspective, I was thinking a little less on like Gon's expectations, like putting them for his standards for himself onto other people. I was thinking just more, I guess, on the angle of maybe his view of friendship, um, seeing it as a way where either, I don't know if like Kilo was a crutch in a sense that he can only feel like he can do this with Kiloa because they are so close and they are friends. Like that's what friends do, right? They like put each other in the line of danger to protect each other. And like Kiloa has the same mindset. So it's kind of like seeing either a both a close but somewhat unhealthy dynamic with friendship, at least in this specific instance. It's real codependent. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a tad. Just a little bit. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because it, it like makes me think it's like a like like mentality. It's 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 like I'm gonna stand in front of this bullet this bullet for you, killer, protect you. And it's like, all right, now it's your turn to stand in front of the bullet to protect me, killer. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, no, exactly. Um I, I was gonna say, like, I feel like there's a lot of wholesome things about Gon and Kilo's relationship and there's a lot of unwholesome things, but part of that's just about growing up. Like, because it's very easy to form codependent bonds when you're a kid because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Especially since they're both kids that haven't really had that many friends. Exactly. And that's not to say, therefore, it's okay, but it's to say it's more understandable at this point in their lives and given their circumstances. Right. And, yeah. And so... Back to the game. Bisky, he she throws the ball from outside the court at the perfect right angle to hit number two. Um, so that leaves only Razor on the court. Woohoo! No, I think you're misreading that. It's woo. No, I, th- I think you got it wrong. It's woohoo, dun dun dun, and I feel heavy metal. Woohoo! Oh yeah, I guess he's right. That's probably it. Yeah. God, I love Blur. Too bad a lot of yeah. them are not good people, but great band though. Go listen to Blur, Gorillas. Uh, oh wait, no, sorry, they have nothing to do with each other. Sorry, I, I keep forgetting that. I mean, they're kind of like I guess in the same realm of like stuff that was popular late '90s, mid early 2000s. 
Oh no, it was, it was a joke because Damon Albarn vo- does the voice in both of those bands. Oh really? I didn't know oh, that. Oh yeah, I thought, yeah. You, I thought you were in on the joke. Oh no, yeah. no I had no idea. Oh, yeah, that's, D- that's Damon Albarn is, d- does the vocals for both of them. Let's say for a moment that I was Damon Elburn. Oh god damn it, Char, aka Genkai, aka Yeah, I've been mean to make a masked fighter like face on Char's body, like just saying, let's say for a moment that I am Genkai edit. Damn. I'm down. <laughs> and the episode it ends with Gone coming up with a plan. Um, he's which he Sokas is amused at, and Akilawa is mildly annoyed at. And yeah, that's how the episode ends. It is interesting that both Hisoka and Akilawa are transmuters and therefore like fickle and sort of like interesting on that. But like Hisoka is definitely just like, oh, I just want to observe this. While Akilawa is like, no, no, I'm actually interested in a, a little bit of self preservation here. Why are we doing this? Kill well. Let me kill you, please. <laughs> Alrighty. So, did you want me to move on to the mango notes? Yeah. Yep. Tell us all about the mangoes. I love mangoes. Actually, I hate mangoes. Anyways, uh, wait. What? Yo, get get off the cast. Actually, I don't think I've had mangoes in quite a while. Yeah, have a fucking mango, dude. I mean, okay, three point <laughs> three point five out of the five members of the podcast are Filipino. Have a fucking mango. That should be the tagline for this episode. Crack a fucking mango. Yeah. Has the properties of both mango and fuck. Yum. Oh, God. I just got a bad image in my head. Anyways. Nah, the, the seed is too large for that to happen. Anyways, uh, so the first part of the manga notes is uh, is the, the the places where I'm reading these notes officially. Uh, they, for some reason, they keep... Uh, they they change the name... They like they had Hisoka called uh, called Razor. He said that laser guy is last, right? And then a little panel down, they calls him Razor. The only thing I think of is like a joke. No, I think it's they... um they this this predates the official localization, but it's official yeah. anyways. Um, but I think it's that they weren't exactly sure how to romanize the name because they weren't sure if they were going for laser or razor. Um, and there's yeah. a strong reason to believe that it's Razor that I'll tell you about later. Besides yeah, the official localization, there's like an in-text reference to it probably being Razor. Fair enough. Yeah, you should definitely uh, send me the place where you legally bought those uh, issues of the manga. Yeah, it's pretty sick having legal copies of all the things I ever use. Yeah, de- definitely send me that because I, suppo- I like giving money to them. So definitely. I mean, you're already supporting them legally. So this is the second time, right? Yeah, yeah, double double support and giving all the money. Yeah, just uh anyways, uh yeah, that's just that note that they just uh it's like pick one please, like with the laser thing. It's like laser or razor. I'm cool with whatever, but like am I getting shot with a laser beam or getting cut by Okay, to be fair, the razor that he's saying is spelled R E I Z A, so it's laser or razor. The razor cannon. But uh anyways, uh in the, in the manga, they also uh, Bisky's clothing tearing is a lot more prominent in the shot, where it actually shows like the, you know, like you know, seeing that that flash and it's like the the clothes rip away like in a giant explosion. It kind of looks like that, where you can see the clothing tear as she jumps out of the way. I think you can see it retrospectively, but if I just saw this, it would kind of just look like it was like, 
I mean, so basically to me, it looks like conforming to her body, but that doesn't make sense given the angle she's coming at. So you're right that it is definitely clothes ripping, but I think I wouldn't have thought about it until afterwards. Right. I feel like looking at it, I can see it now, especially if you compare like the sides that are perfectly round to the front, which I guess if you're jumping, it shouldn't look like that movement shouldn't look that way with clothes like there would still be some roundness to it but there's some like jagged edges which looks more like torn like clothing if that makes sense yeah i I think it's intended to be subtle until you realize Mm. what's going on Mm. yeah i I was gonna say earlier that she really should have took off her dress but then i I realized that sounded weird just to say so i didn't mean she probably should have brought pants is probably what you mean that probably would have been a better, better, uh, better way to word that. Yes, she should have brought pants. Anyways, uh, oh, you're also the Darby comes back. You forgot about that, the Darby fight. I mean, yeah, the Darby fight was already in Yu Hakusho, though. Oh yeah, that's right. Lots. Of, anyways, JoJo JoJo references aside, uh, basically the the next panel is uh, that it's it's kind of getting one to one with the gore for the most part. Like, I think we've got to the point where the, the anime is like, you know what, let, let gore now. Yeah, one-to-one with the gore was that really interesting uh, television program where our, our former vice president actually just did interviews. I'm, I'm down for that. That's my favorite kind of gore. Is it? Um, I don't know. I, I kind of would rather watch that than Gore-O, his bizarro brother. Oh, I thought you were going to say from Mortal Kombat, but yeah, continue. Oh, Goro. Oh, oh damn. That would have been better. Okay, never mind. I changed it. Jiro's yeah, one to one with the Goro. He's just interviewing people, and if he doesn't like the responses, he throws them off a fucking cliff. He just grows extra arms underneath his thing and just fucking throws them out the window. Every time you say <laughs> something I don't like, I grow another pair of arms. <laughs> it's, it's like, so I'm not really into this whole global warming thing. What? Just throws him into a spike thing. It's like Goro wins. Fatality. Oh yeah, that's fair enough. Well, no, it's it's bo- it's both. I think it says both in a row. Oh, and then it just works. says climate change, <laughs> and everything just freezes over and he dies. Anyway, and then catches on fire. Down, 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 down. That needs to be a fatality in Mortal Kombat. What are you doing, uh, NetherRealm Studios? Get on that. That needs to be a fatality. But I don't know. I think that's too political for games, even though it's not supposed to be. <laughs> Uh, for WB games, yes. For games generally, no. But for WB, hell yeah, it's too political. I, fu- I, I love that meme. It's like it's like the game is way too political. Oh, is that yeah, the one th- where it's just like it just has a black protagonist? Maybe there's also one where it's 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 uh for the new uh battlefield. It's like it's it's like tw- it's like 2042 takes place in the future where where the climate has been d- dis uh destroyed and everything. It's like but this game is not this game does not will not have political uh undertones. Yeah, this is a topic for another time, but I really wish the word political people would like. So I think the reason a lot of people shy away from the word political in regards to media is because they think it means electoral politics, like, you know, team versus team, as opposed to political as in what are our values. And I know that everyone who's saying that things are not political knows this, but they just play into it because they don't want to have to deal with a bunch of people getting angry, saying, like, why are you advocating for a candidate over another, basically? But anyways, can you do with the last picture of the manga? Uh, yes, there's a there's a uh, cool little uh, cool little uh, circle thing that's going on with uh, with the, the the three remaining contend- c- contestants. Uh, uh, Hisoka is grabbing him from the back, and and uh, he's sandwiched between uh, and Killua is sandwiched between Gon and Hisoka. 
and they're uh, they're doing some something interesting. I don't know what's going on with that, but uh, I don't know. I think this might be too hot for the cast, to be honest. Have you? No. <laughs> have you ever? <laughs> have you seen the meme that is? I think it's like it's a, a picture of like a stall in a bathroom and you just see three pairs of feet and one of them is facing towards the toilet. One of them is facing away. And then one of them is facing towards the person facing away. What the fuck? Yeah. People just take a shot of that and added the, and added the picture of this shot to it. And like, cause it's the exact same foot positioning. And so someone's like, well, we thought something weird was going in there, but it turns out they're just playing dodgeball. <laughs> they're just trying to catch the ball razors on the other side of the wall is going to throw it directly through the stall and the yeah exactly it's a you know it's a like there's a hole that the ball goes through it's like a hole of glory or something imagine if you fucking walk in the bathroom and you think something weird's going on like that you open the doors just razor holding a giant a giant uh, dodgeball a giant hole and then just pour po- uh uh, posed like that like the catching position dude i bet at a bunch of conventions after that meme happened a bunch of people probably reenacted that in the bathrooms and took photos and there's probably <laughs> photo shoots of it oh man that's so fucking stupid but uh it's amazing though anyway sabo sabo 2021 we're gonna do that baby watch out everyone in the bathrooms we're gonna be the next doctor uh disrespect and film in the bathrooms you know what's crazy? I remember when <laughs> I'm looking forward to the panel at Sabo 2021. That's actually just a redub uh, with the same words as a panel from Sabo 2020. Oh, it's it's like it's like it's like literally it's like just like the panel, but they crossed out the words 2020. That was a that was a 2021 C Lab 2021 reference. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, fair enough. Uh, oh, we should really. Oh, well, that'd have been a good cosplay. Damn it! I wonder if we had time for that. That'd be pretty sick. Anyways, 1999 notes. Uh, In 1999, and possibly in the unlocalized manga, the throw Razor does is referred to as a shuto, which is a curving type of pitch done in Japanese baseball, which has historically been called a Razor. So the way that we know for sure his name is Razor is because his pitch is also called a Razor. Jeez. Wow. I kind of like this this, info. this inference sort of thing. This is like programming shit right here where you imply that this variable is that based off of uh, this fact. It's also kind of like, this is going to be the most pretentious thing, but it's also kind of like uh, biblical analysis where it's just like, well, we can tell based on this contextual information from this other thing that it's actually a reference to this. And that's not, that's, that's not, I don't think that's uh, that word you just said. Okay. So I think it is both pretentious, but also correct. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was pretentious. I thought it was cool. Oh, well, well, thank you, man. That shit, um, that shit's interesting. Not gonna lie, I, I don't like the. I'm not a big Bible dude. I'm not. I'm not a big Bibler, but I think that's interesting. The Bibbler, Bibble, the Bibbler. Yeah, I'm not it's a big me, Bibbler. The Bibbler. <laughs> God damn it! I have both the powers of literary and analysis. Um, so in this in the manga, Hisoka says the ball gets less powerful when going through a receiver, while in 2011 he says it gets less powerful when exiting the court. And so when I saw this in 2011, I was very confused because it, to me, it kind of implied that the court has power similar to the way the boxing match did. But in 99 and the manga, it makes it very clear. No, it's because the receiver can't throw as hard. Um, so here, uh, Tezgera indicates uh, he can do Ryu at lightning speeds. So basically, like, he could he could move his aura around his body way faster. And, like, he basically says something like this in uh, uh, in 2011 and the manga. But here they just make it very clear that he's, like, able to do Ryu that fast, basically. to And that's why he's arguing to Gon that he should be the one to hold the ball. 
Did they at least buy him dinner first? Shit. Damn. Um, so it says, Gara says, in Nen battles, being able to balance offense and defense is not only basic, but uh, but necessary. And I really like that because, like, again, the whole point of Greed Island is fundamentals. Like, so much of Gon and Kilo's power increase here had less to do with cool techniques and much more to do with fundamentals. And also the contrast with, says Gera as someone who has all these battle tactics but is bad at fundamentals. I was I always like that part that that fact about Tizgara where he just well he he knows all this cool shit he sucks at the fundamentals. Yeah, and you you actually see that a lot in a lot of professions where after you get to a point where you're either managing or you're doing the day to day, you forget your fundamentals, which is why Patrick, you're you're aware of this, but like the code kata movement, have you heard of this? Uh no, not really. So code kata is this thing where people like do basically programming exercises like once a week or something to work on fundamentals, like once a week or a couple times a week to work on fundamentals so they don't like lose some like, you know, like basic stuff while they're doing architecting and stuff. And uh, it's something that I'd like to do more of, but um, it's based on the idea of martial arts kata, which is, you know, practicing forms, um, even though you're doing practical application daily so that you don't lose track of like the fundamental or formal aspects of the system. And um, I think this stuff is important. And I have a feeling Togashi based this on his own experience with like, hey, I do drawing exercises sometimes when I'm not like just drawing. I'm going to be honest. I kind of I kind of uh, think of coding as like being a wizard. And if I know that kind of sounds weird. No, I mean, I, I think that's actually like a pretty good explanation, especially because like a lot of old programming terms are pretty clearly based on like magic ideas. Like, to invoke a function, like, invoke was, like, something that you would do when you summoned something in, like, ancient religions. Oh, I never thought of it that way. That's that's fascinating. But, yeah, I, I really, at least to me, I, I always considered programming to be the closest I could be to actually doing magic like a wizard. So uh, I'd agree with that. I would I would definitely agree with that. Um, I would say that wizards also have to do, like, you know, meditation and, like, think about, like, their... Uh, think about like the balance of the world and shit. So that that could be seen as like some aspect of kata and shit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like me when I listen to uh, Nirvana really loud at night and cry myself to sleep. Yeah, um, you know meditation. <laughs> I'm not depressed, guys. Don't worry, I'm good. You I have both like Nirvana. You have both the properties of heart and, uh, of heart shaped and box. <laughs> I was gonna say something else. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna reference that song. Never mind. You have both the properties of Kurt and Cobain. Anyways, uh, and now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. Fans of video games, history, or video game history, will definitely want to listen to Retronauts. Each week, Bob Mackey and myself, that's Jeremy Parrish, dive into the stories behind the greatest games of the past and the history behind the hits of today. Check us out every Monday on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Retrograde Amnesia is a comprehensive podcast about classic Japanese RPGs. Each season, we cover a single game, chapter by chapter, beat by beat. Season 1 covers Xenogears. Season 2 covers Chrono Cross. Each episode, we play a section of the game and unpack the story, mechanics, music, and themes. Also, our post-production AI companion, the FakeNet, fills us in on the finer details we may have missed. Initializing FakeNet. Yes. They need me for everything. Find Retrograde Amnesia at greenlitpodcasts.com. Welcome back. We're starting with episode 71, Bargain and Deal. Kakehiki to Torihiki. Originally released in Japan on March 7th, 
2013, March 17th, 2013. The equivalent manga chapters are 166. I was going to do through 170, but I'll sp- say them out for a very specific reason. 166, 167, 168, 169. Nice. Nice. And 170, which were released in Japan on December 9th, 2002. The equivalent 1999 apps are 85 through 87, which were released in Japan on April 28th, 2004. Hey, really close to my birthday. Same here, actually. I was going to turn 15 at that time. Damn. Um, Razor coming in hot with a volleyball spike. Here's a oh, sentence. I, I was you doing pro- these notes. What's up? Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't, yeah. Whoops. Whoops. Go ahead. Dang. Taking up my thunder, man. What are you doing? I'm drunk. No. I know you are. Dude, it's fucking oh, whatever. Anyways, uh, Razor comes in with a hot volleyball spike. Here's a sentence you probably don't want to say out loud, though. Gon, Hisoka, and Killua have become one with another. Yeah, that's, that's kind of gross. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of gross. I'm, uh... To be fair, it says winky face in the text. Oh, no, no. I meant the the, the idea. No, like, I, I'm getting, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm getting, all right. I'm getting images, images in my head that I don't need to, I need to get them out. So I'm, uh, I'll get the hatchet later. Anyways, Gone is in the front, Kill is in the middle, and then Hisoka's in the back. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's the way that they like to play dodgeball i guess no, i was gonna say i was gonna say yo this is my favorite part of the song friday by rebecca black <laughs> which seat should the... i take it's dodgeball dodgeball, dodgeball gotta... gotta get down on dodgeball gonna get hit by a bulky man bulky man anyways uh gun kiss <laughs> oh what rb rebecca black <laughs> that's the way she i like to see no 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 no. that was music. that was actually in the song oh fu- oh that's the that's the rapping guy in the car yeah that, that sorry was, what were you saying sir oh her, her her actual the music that she's been coming out lately are actually bops <laughs> oh yeah it's actually good yeah like her new music for real but it's, it's kind of funny it's gonna be like uh it's gonna be like miley cyrus now when she sings her older stuff and like she's like does all these bops and she has to do Friday if she plays live. Like, I mean, she's got to do it. Why would she, she not want to do it? I think she embraces it. I think she did like a remix of it. It was almost like a hyper pop remix of uh, Friday. Yeah, I, I was also gonna say I was about to say it's like it's kind of like a, it's like when Drake Bell performs, he has to do uh, has to do the Drake and Drake and Josh theme song. But then I realized he's probably not going to be performing for quite a while now. Uh, so, I don't know anything from, about that. Jail. So. <laughs> yeah, he he went to jail, dude. Nice, yo. It's it's kind of like when Drake performs and he has to he has to do the rap from Degrassi. <laughs> he just sits down in a wheelchair. I was gonna say, yeah, he has to get in character. It's really weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, nice. Yo, I heard that Drake has both the power of Aubrey and and Jimmy. God, I fucking hate Degrassi. Never tell anybody that. I've never watched Degrassi. I just don't like Drake. I only watch the only episode. Of, I only watched two episodes of Degrassi. The one with uh, Jay and Silent Bob, and the one where where some kid shoots up a school. And oh, was that that? No, I think it was a different show. No, no, that's Degrassi, and that's where that's where uh, Drake gets shot in the back by the kid. Oh, and that's when he goes in the wheelchair. Yeah, I as, as someone who loves teen trash drama. I think that was one of the more realistic ones. Um, 
compared to like I don't know Dawson. No, Dawson's pretty realistic. Like Riverdale movie, a more modern one. Um, but yeah, I also did not realize it took place in Canada until like much later in life. <laughs> That's how they get you. It's like Rumble in the Bronx, the Jackie Chan movie that was definitely filmed in Halifax. <laughs> Jesus. Or Vancouver, I forget which one, but it was definitely filmed in Canada because there's mountains in the background. Wait, you don't, you don't remember the mountains in New York City, dude? What What's wrong with you? No, like, so me and I was watching with my brother, and he's like, yeah, man, this looks, like, pretty New Yorkish so far. And then we got to the scene where there were mountains in the background. He's like, oh, you know, the Catskills that you can totally see from, from Manhattan. Yeah, totally, dude. Have you not fucking went to Newark International before? You can see that that's right, right next to the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah, dude. man, yeah. The reason Newark is so crazy is because you got to go over the mountains. You might hit them on the wall you're fucking <laughs> landing. I was imagining a bunch of guys freaking leaving the airport with ski, ski, uh, like like a mountain climbing gear, and they just climb climb the fucking mountain next to it. Oh my god! god. But also, for some reason, I was trying to, I was gonna say, oh yeah, my favorite one is, uh, I couldn't remember what the name was for the Amanda Show, the that that the uh, you know the parody of Dawson's Creek they had. Um. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. I, for some reason, for some reason, I was about to. I was thinking the name for some Sophie's Choice came in my mind. Yep, that's like, not it. That's right. I'm gonna put it out there. That's not. Oh, yo. So, uh, you know how uh, like we like to sometimes talk about the fact that we're in Arizona. The ASU uh, fucking improv team was called Dawson's Queef. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah ASU I, baby. I, wait, are, the, are those were those annoying fuckers that played in the basement and were not funny and just made sex jokes all the time? I mean, probably. Because I, I remember, I remember the, there was yeah, an improv. That's just improv. Group. I did improv in, co- in college, but it was called Spot Improv at ASU. But, uh, yeah, there were, another, two, there were two groups, yeah. I think, I think Dawson's Queef was the one in the basement. Oh, I fucking hated them. They were the most unfunny fuckers I've ever saw in my life. Okay, so but, I went to high school with one of the guys, and we used to be friends. So, I, I, yeah, I'm just going to get off the subject anyways. I mean, I don't have anything against your friend. He probably he probably left before it got unfunny. So, oh, that might be true. Actually, I'm yeah, trying so, to. Th- I'm thinking of when you went to ASU. Yeah, that's probably true. Actually, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Like I said, yeah. It's uh, it it probably was around the time that he left anyway. So it, he probably wasn't in it because it probably it, knowing you, he probably would have been funny and made it good. But it was uh, the most unfunniest thing ever. So. Uh, middle finger to that guy in, in that group in the basement. Uh, get funny. Nice. I'm still I'm still bitter to this day about that. They sucked. Anyways, let's let's move on. To Anyways, and enough for the hyper local ASU hour. They just listen and get really offended. We were big fans of the Spirit Hunters before you guys became dicks. Too bad. Should have got funny. More like both the power of a one star rating and an unsubscribe. <laughs> Yeah, knowing my luck, that's probably what would happen. But uh, anyways, where were we before I started making fun of local uh, groups? Uh, the trio. Oh, yeah. The trio catch it. A near-perfect performance. Mwah. I'm doing the, 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 the finger the, the okay. Kiss. Chef's kiss. That, that movement, you can't see me, but that's happening. And our boy Kilwa was the main driver of their success. If it wasn't for his giant thunder, thunder thighs and legs, it would not have been perfect. He bounced that ore perfectly and got that massive thighs grounded in there with all the nin and just mm, right, right in there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, uh, 
Anyways, uh, Gun increases power to intense levels. Everyone is in awe on how much power he can produce. He lets Killer know he's going all out. Also, this is getting va this is vaguely uh, vaguely kind of uh, questionable. These comments. So I'm gonna. This is all. This is all power based. There's no euphemism euphemisms in here, sirs. No euphemisms whatsoever. So I'm probably saying that wrong too. But anyways, uh, Razor looks like he's a little concerned besides to receive the ball volleyball style. This time he's in a receiving straight from gone. He's receiving straight for gone. It's a powerful receive that shoots out with almost as much force as Gunn put out. Razor's confident that Gunn won't dodge. Looks like Gunn's about to return, but pulls a Yusuke Yurameshi and passes the fuck out at the correct moment. Wait, fun story? Yo, Gunn not wanting to dodge is a Toguro-ass move. Really? Yeah, remember how like Toguro versus Yusuke ends? Where Toguro oh, could just yeah. fucking have dodged the spirit gun. <laughs> he's like, he's like, fuck this. I, I, I ain't no wuss. I'm taking this on full yeah, force. He's like, I don't need a fucking clown and my best friend. Hey, maybe he learned. Maybe he learned it from a biscuit who learned it probably from uh, somebody she knew. Besties. <laughs> Ooh, you, you mean uh, family, right? Yeah, family. Vin Diesel's here. Watch out. Jesus Christ. La familia. No Spanish, please, sir. This is an English cast. I think they say Familia in Fast and Furious at some point. Oh. I don't know. I'll, I'll rewatch it. We'll figure that out. We will figure that out. And by figure it out, I mean I'll forget about it and not care. But wait. Hisoka and and just as he passes out, they win. But wait. Hisoka uses bungee gun to return the ball. And uh, and uh, uh, Tezgara gets really pissed off. It's like, what are you doing, you moron? We could have won. It's like, it needs to be complete victory. And uh, Razor thinks thinks they will rally. They will rally, but uh, what the fuck? That thinks they will rally. So rally means to exchange the ball repeatedly. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay, I gotcha. I didn't. Yeah, they think they'll rally the ball back and forth, but the ball doesn't bounce off his arms. Instead, pushes him out of bounds because of a certain ability that contains the properties of both something and something. I, f I forgot. It's 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 a it's, uh, it's it's a blank in my mind. You know what it is? The properties of two things. <laughs> It's the properties of read the script. <laughs> Fuck. Anyways, uh, now they won. Razor says, "Oh, well, we." says, "Oh, well, we lost. Uh, we'll leave town now." Reminding us that the, that this was the purpose of the whole exercise, just to get him to leave. Kind of uh, a bit anticlimactic, though. Very um, hunter hunter. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Sadly. But uh, before they leave, though. Uh, Razor wants to have a word with Gon and pulls him aside because he has a bunch of questions for him. And Razor explains to Gon that, that Jing is, Jean isn't on the island and Razor was a death row inmate that uh, Jean saved on at the last minute or just saved him before he was going to die. And uh, he basically told him that he... Oh, what you say, Joe? Nothing. I have a note about this later that like I'm sort of confused about regarding whether he's a death row inmate or whether he was a lifer. Yeah, I don't know. The way there's I I've seen it in the I guess I guess I get the vibe that he was probably gonna die. I mean in, in twenty eleven I very much get the vibe that he was a death row inmate in the manga ninety nine we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk more about that later because it, it probably harkens back to another area that we've seen before. But uh yeah, yeah uh but yeah, basically Gene uh believed and trusted in him and uh you know, it was the first time he really fought. He really felt that way because, like, for years, it, it showed in the backstory that you know, 
that he was a uh, he really wasn't trusting. I'm guessing he was implying that that no that nobody really trusts him, and it just shows the darkness of this world. Because I mean, he had that one serial killer before that nobody trusted and beat the fuck out of. Benolt. And then you had him, yeah, Benolts, where he got his ass kicked by helping, and then Razor, where nobody trusts him. This this world is cruel and dark, but uh, maybe yeah. it was implying that was a different region, was it? Uh, that's just kind of general. But I was gonna say, Megan, Megan specifically <laughs> points out that going believing in Benolt is similar to uh, Gene believing in Razor. Huh. I didn't really think about that. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't think about it till she pointed it out. So that's a pretty cool comparison. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's very that's very uh, a very cool uh, I guess callback and per se. But I think it, there's a a callback to it later in the series that kind of adds like a weird angle to it that we'll talk about then. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, another one that actually I actually was thinking about that too because it, that part showed really the cruelness of this world even more. I think we're talking about the same thing, right? With the that one flashback and the and and the Chimera Ant. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I was actually talking about something else. Oh, because that's... I, I was talking what, about something that involves, like, a lizard of some sort. I gotcha. Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, yep. Uh, basically, Jing hired Razor to help run the island, and for some reason, fight his son. He's like, you know what? Just stay here, and then when you see my son, please beat the fuck out of him. With the power of both child and abuse. <laughs> I mean, that's that's Jing's uh, main ability. If, if that's probably his main ability, it's child abuse. Fun story in the manga, they still haven't clarified what the fuck his nanability is, so uh, it could be. That would be sense. more like um, abandonment plus neglect. <laughs> yeah, that's the episode title, Abandonment X Neglect. <laughs> Down. But it makes me wonder, maybe there's going to be a twist where it's like he doesn't have an inability and he's just that fucking strong. That's possible, which I'll tell you about in the, when we get there years from now. Can't wait. Twenty. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me if he made a vow that's like, I cannot make a hot soup, but I get all this other cool shit. I, I, I'm just, I'm just cool as fuck, and I'm like Tony Stark, except, except, uh, I don't love my son or child. Are you basing this on something that occurs after Chimera Antark? Uh, wait, no, I no, this know? occurs in the manga. Never mind, you wouldn't know about that. Okay, anyways. Anyways, there definitely isn't love you a million or was it love you a thousand, five thousand, whatever. Yeah, I love, yeah. At first, I thought you were talking about the G Gundam ending thing. That's like, I love you love forever. forever. Yeah, I love that one. No, it's I know it's I trust you forever. Trust you forever. That's it. Yeah, you're right. That song's pretty bomb, and I'll I'll send you a remix of that song. That's pretty fire, and that's uh, anyways. But uh, shit, where were we again? Um, Gon seems really invested. Oh, yeah, Gon seems really invested in the in-game story. The real treasure wasn't real. The real treasure was the friends that they made along the way. No, the the true treasure is the view that the lady gets from the top of the of the lighthouse. Of that lighthouse. The Christian rock I'm band. The light is that a Christian rock band lighthouse? I think lighthouse is a Christian rock band. Let me look that up. I got you. I'm pretty sure Megan meant lighthouse. I'm pretty sure too. Either that or she's like always made that mistake since childhood. Yeah, no. lighthouse is a Christian rock band. Maybe she just really likes the band uh, Lifehouse. Or maybe autocorrect did not work in her favor. Damn, autocorrect friggin' buy it. Do you think auto autocorrect is getting too political? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But uh, anyways, uh, Tezgara and Greeno agree to take the two copies of Patch of Shore. Is, is this strip a beach? Uh, I wonder if it was different in the 
like the so in the in the in the fucking 99 version it's Subo of Coast. What the fuck is going on? Did they literally change the name of the card between two different uh, between three different versions you mean? Yeah. No, no, like four because technically if they change it in the sub it's going to be Patch of Shore, Strip of Beach and then they change it in the manga and the uh, 99. So it's like four different changes. Yeah, I so to be fair, the 99 when I was watching, I wouldn't be surprised if the subtitles aren't official. So it might not be Subo of Coast. Jesus Christ. So uh, so they got two copies of Patch of Shore, Strip of Beach, Subaru of Coast, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, Beach of Island, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Uh, Hisoka... the Beach. Exactly. Uh, Hisoka lets them know to use contact to reach him, and he'll use the company of Magnetic Force, which Killua knows Hisoka had been lying to this whole time. But basically confronts him, saying that some people just lie for the sake of lying. Which is understandable. I think I think Hisoka just likes to have fun and fuck with people, so... Yeah, you know, it's like the Joker. It's like, you want to know how I got these bungee gums? Oh, God. <laughs> so, sort of that My unreliable dad narrator. Come home. Oh, God. And he would, he'd pull out the... He'd pull out the, the, uh, the Hubba Bubba gum and just... Chew it for hours. Hours and hours. And Mom tried to stop him, and he didn't and like that very really much. It was actually a very happy memory of mine. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking so dramatic, but uh, anyways, I chewed so much that it got stuck in my mouth and I had to cut it out. So that's where the scars came from. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. He's a clown, though, so. But it could be worse. He could uh, give somebody something that they deserve, so. Okay, I somebody needs to make. I have no idea what you're referring to right now. Yeah, you, you know at the end of Joker, it's like you get what you fucking oh, deserve. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't uh, seen Joker, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I've seen that meme. That's kind of what I thought, but I was just like, where do I know that line from? That, that's a good ass movie. You need to watch that. I would like to watch it at some point. We'll do a movie night. It's long yeah. as fuck, though. That's the only thing. We'll tell people we're watching a Hisoka origin story, so they think we're reading the manga, but then we just watch Joker. Ooh, actually, I would not be mine to do that for a show. That'd be kind of fun. I'd be down to do that at some point, but anyways, continue. I was going to say re-killing jo- watch Killing Joke, but Killing Joke kind of sucked, so let's not watch that. Uh, so anyways, yeah, it's a big sadness. Uh, Ginther uses contact to inform everyone that he has the patch of short, strip of beach, whatever, strip of something. Stubo of coast. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. And wants to make a deal, else they'll take it by force. Mirror Force, which is another Yu-Gi-Oh card. They'll just destroy them when they try to attack. Nice card. I think I'll take it. Nice card. I think I'll take it. What are you doing here? Uh, anyways, Willie Nelson then goes into a goddamn kill list of every... Goes into a goddamn kill list of every party member that backed out into the initial uh, Patch of Shore execution. So basically it shows that, that he was like, oh yeah, by the way, I killed all those people because... And sadly, he did, they do kill Fred Durst, so uh, R.I.P. Limp Biscuit. Hands up, a hands down. And then he just got fucking blown up. Tell me what you're gonna do now. I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, he's just saying that he's moaning when he's dead. It's like, uh, Nookie. And just fucking dies. So, uh, rip, uh, rip everyone else. And of course, uh, uh, Fred Durst or Anime Durst, Anna Durst. Yeah, his Durst finally sated at last. Set. What a sadness. Uh, I guess the best could, of I the Durst. It's the best. The best of Durst is the worst of Durst. But uh, I guess you can say that that now he's just Durst in the wind. <laughs> All we are is Durst, Durst in, in the, the wind. wind. 
God, that song rocks. Anyways, uh, so uh, yeah, everyone's he, Gon's pissed as fuck, and challenges Gint through. Challenges Gint through an answer in anger to beat the living hell out of him, but Gint through isn't talking to Gon because because he's not serious. So yeah, uh, Kilo and Bisky seriously. Wait, what the fuck? Did I read that wrong? Gint through isn't 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 taking Gon. Kilo and Bisky seriously, but an incredible worry of the fuck. Is my brain broken, or I'm just not saying that right? Wait, wait, where are you? I'm at Gon challenges Genthru in anger. Genthru isn't taking on Gon. Uh, no, 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 isn't taking Gon, Kilua, and Bisky seriously. Serious? Okay, I, I okay. Read this section again. Sorry. So Genthru isn't taking Gon, Kilua, and Bisky seriously, but is incredibly wary of, of single star hunter Tezgera. But to be fair, though, he really hasn't interacted with him at all beyond really anything at all. I don't think they, he interacted with him at this point besides uh, the initial meetup, like when he was just a kid and they didn't have the training. Yeah. And I don't think he's met Biscuit at all. Yeah, I think yeah, he if, thinks I mean, Biscuit is also a kid, too. Yeah, no, it is weird. They definitely keep on talking about Biscuit as if she is literally a child, which I think, I guess I get it. It's just, like, weird that they don't make a bigger deal out of it. I mean, she, she's a sleeper. She doesn't want people to know that she can, or, or the, how, how much power she really has. Yeah. Almost spoiled something, my bad. Uh, Tez so Tezgera lectures gone to let him know that he was being foolish, selfish, and irresponsible and telling him he was an idiot. Because uh, because if they would have challenged him, Kilo would probably be immediately dead. Uh, gone probably would be also immediately dead. And uh, Biscuit probably would be able to maybe take them, but uh, we don't really know the extent of Ginthru's powers at this point. At least in my opinion. So I don't know oh, how you I guys would feel. I mean, do we really want to say whether I think that Bisky could beat Genthru? I mean, like, as like, pretend you don't know anything about her besides what you know now. That she, like, as as what you know about her now, power wise. Um. Okay. With just what we know about that point, I would think she could beat Genthru. I think so too. I think she, she's going to take some damage though, but I think she'll be able to beat him. For sure. But uh, yeah. But yes. What about you, Sarah? Uh, I think the same. I think it would be not evenly matched per se, but I think she'd be would be able to beat him with some close calls, but ultimately win. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's going to be close, but I think uh, I think they can. I think she can deal with it. I'm kind of concerned with the other two members if they might try some sneaky shit and uh, sort of just mess with her. But I I I don't know. At the end of the day, it could be close. You remember the time that Bisky threw a dude so hard he did a 720 spin in the air before she punched him so hard he vomited blood? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. But uh, but e even then, you know, it's it. I mean, we don't know the power of the other bombers though at that point because because one thing, but I don't know where he la lands in comparison to the everyone else. Did you just say Bertholdt? Did I say Bertholdt? Yeah, you did. Man, where, where, I can't believe Bairdhold and Reiner over here. Oh fuck! Uh, what is it? Ben, Ben, Ben Olt, Ben Olt. Sorry. No, no, no. It's Bara. It's Bara and Sabu. Oh, is, was it Bara and Sabu that did that? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, I forgot about that one. But yeah, in comparison to those two, I don't even know where they land in the power scale. Yeah. To yet. be fair, they haven't really shown uh, Bara and Sabu's power. Okay, wait. So, the, okay. It's, oh, never mind. It, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so, uh, so, t so, uh, Tisgera strikes a deal where they hold off Genthru for three weeks if the boys agree to give them the original Lucky Alexan Alexandrite at the end. 
So I was confused on Lucky Alexandrite. Isn't that where you have to give the villagers all the village all your cards or whatever? Uh, yes. Um, and the reason, so basically no one else wants to do it because Gon was the first one to figure out how to get it, I think, or, or if he wasn't, he was one of the few and no one else wants to do it because they're so far in the game that like, if they were to do it, it would cost them a ton. Meanwhile, Gon did it before he had much. So it wasn't, you know, that difficult. I see. I, w- I was going to say though, what they, they, they could have done is just like have somebody be a pack mule and just give them all the cards and then just like give them one card. Yeah. I feel, so I think. I wish they would tell you how many people were in Greed Island at the time, because I feel that now it's to the point where so many people are dead, where it's hard to just find stragglers to do it, because I have a feeling like Gendru has just been killing so many people that like when, when they show Greed Island and there's not many people around, I have a feeling it's because like literally there's only like 10 of them around anymore. Yeah, because I, I just have because I have a feeling that he's just going. I mean, obviously, he hasn't killed uh killed the, the Phantom Troop, of course, but uh, it's just like it's, oh, it's good luck making crazy. the Phantom Troop do it. <laughs> <laughs> they would just honest, murder his ass. In all honesty, they could have probably they could have struck a deal with Hizoka at least if they really wanted to do that. Just be like, "Hey, Hizoka, we'll do this for you outside of the world if you uh, do this for us." And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." Because Hizoka I, doesn't really give a shit, so I think he wouldn't mind if he had to give out his cards anyways. But I think Hisoka wouldn't really care to deal with these guys just because like he wants like to find good fights. And like I think Hisoka probably looks at Genthru, can guess how strong he is, and he's like, oh, this isn't interesting to me. Well, the thing is that he doesn't have... He, I think he reads the potential of Genthru and is like, well, he doesn't have much left. Well, because I think a lot of people think he's turned on by power, but I think it's mostly potential. I think like, it's I think- a combination because like, uh, for instance, Krollo is like maxed out. He's just like absurdly strong. But even then, you don't know how much potential he can have, especially with his his uh, book that he has. He could potentially be even stronger than he even lets off to begin with. So yes, I so I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying more. I think it's both potential and strength. And I think he's looking at Genthru, and you're right. He doesn't see much potential because he's like Genthru's at the the peak of his ability, and then probably also sees like, oh yeah, I could just kick his ass. Yeah, and then and then Bisky, I I think that he just he thinks the same thing because I mean to be honest. Even though she's, I guess, it might, this might get spoilery, so if I do, just stop me. While she's strong, she's not not the best in terms of... Because we, we talked about her nind ability, right, before? Or is uh, that spoilery? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, because her nind ability say... is kind of not even meant for that, so I don't think... I think that's why Hizoka's not really interested in fighting her anyways. I mean, so she's like... I think I think of, like, with the exception of one other character in the series, she is the best at fundamentals. And like, yeah. so I think he's like, even if he knows she's powerful, he's not that interested because it'd be like fighting like the greatest martial artist as opposed to like someone with interesting powers. I'm surprised he never really went after uh, the head of the hunter organization. He did. He like basically was challenging him to a fight during the hunter exam. And uh, like he basically remember in the episode, he basically said something to the effect of like, I was kind of freaked out by how not freaked out that man was. Oh, right. It's been a while since I remember watching that, so... Yeah, I watched it, like... <laughs> I watched it in three different versions. Damn. Makes sense. I watched... I'm a, yeah, I must have watched that a ton of time, but... Uh, but, yeah, no, it's... Uh, yeah, I, it's, Hisoka's an interesting fella, and by interesting, I mean fucking weird. But, uh, speaking of weird, holy shit, Ginther's crew killed 50 people at least. What the fuck? Yeah, that's crazy. But I think we brought that up. Genthru is a very interesting, like him and his crew are very interesting in a way that we'll talk about more later. Yeah, I do, I do like I do like them because it's a uh, 
because they they're the only people that you can't bargain with. There's no bargaining with them. There's no making deals. They're just gonna kill you. So there's no uh, like there's I guess I I guess you could say there's nothing to really lose with losing them or work not working with them. Also, I think it's interesting that they're actual homies. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, it's honor among thieves, but I wonder how how much it would take for them to turn on each other. I'm saying it would take a lot because, like, some of the stuff they do later, we'll we'll talk about it. But I actually think they're real friends. Yeah, I, actually, it makes you wonder if the Nen abilities are well. I well, well, they do have Nen abilities per se. I wonder if they have a joint one, like with the little flower. Or not um, flower, I don't think they have a, a joint one with little one. flower, but they do have not little flower you know, with the other one. Sorry. Oh, I mean, they do have a joint one with the other because, um, like, remember, they have to go- come together to deactivate. So probably the conditions that were part of it was like based on their bond of friendship. That's kind of interesting. It, it's ima- I, I imagine like this, like a, it's like a, it's like if a gun and killer were serial killers. <laughs> yes. So I guess just like gun and killer then. I was gonna say there are a lot of people who make fan art of like an alternate universe where Gon ended up joining the Phantom Troop for real, like at Nobunaga's suggestion. Because like the idea was, people basically point out like, hey, if Gon didn't know Kurapika, there's a high chance he might have joined the Phantom Troop. I mean, that would make sense, like you know, having the powers. And to be fair, he didn't know the backstory behind the the eyes at that point if he didn't meet them. Exactly. So like, there's so- a chance he would have just been like, these dudes are cool and homies. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, it definitely is interesting. G- gang, gang. Yeah, <laughs> Jajan gang. Hey. Uh, and then uh, and the last note is uh, Fink's contacts Azoka, and they found the hymn. If I- I'm guessing, it implies that they found an inner ex- exorcist. Yeah, we have an army. We have a hymn. N- n- we have a him. It's just the Nen Exorcist with a giant slug on him. Yeah, we need to we, we need to make the Nen Exorcist. Which actually, I could probably uh, whenever they animate what's in the manga, you could definitely make a the Exorcist using just stuff from Hunter Hunter. More like the Nenorcist, am I right? The Nexorcist. Ooh, I'm down. We made that joke last episode. Anyways, too bad. Too bad. Uh, anyway, so we're gonna go into the uh, the manga notes. I don't remember him ever using the term bungee reflection as a move. Maybe I missed it in the in the anime, but I don't remember. I think I think he just grabbed it and sh- showed shoved it back at him versus calling a move name bungee reflection. I, I think in the manga they have a tendency to name certain things that in the anime they're just like this is just an extension of the same technique. Yep, and then uh, of course the famous line bungee gum has both the properties of chewing gum and rubber. Oh, you forgot to say the last part. Oh, uh, oh, club. Clover. Oh, cl- clover. I, 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 it's more like club, right? Oh yeah, club. Yeah, sorry, whatever. <laughs> I actually, I don't remember. I think it's I th- yeah, because in because it, it's like a clover if it's like a flower if it's in cards or anything else. It's a club. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. Anyways, and that's what I'm just calling it because in Resident Evil Two, that's what it has the club key. Like they have the club key, diamond key, heart key, and I forgot what the last key was. But anyways, play Resident Evil Two. It's a great it game. Was a spade key? Yeah, it was a spade. Yeah, you're right. It was spade. So yeah, I was yeah. So go play Resident Evil, guys. Best game ever. Resident Evil Two, best uh, Resident Evil game, hands down. At least in my opinion. But anyways, uh, the next note is uh, your questions about Jin. So apparently his name is now Jin. 
So it's it's Jean, Jean and like yeah. so in Japanese it's written as Jean, like because there's no ng noise in Japanese, and yeah. so you could argue that Jing's real name is Jean, and like just that the English thing is just to make it more natural, or you could argue that Jing is his real name and Jean is just the closest you can render it in katakana. That makes sense, but uh, yeah, I kind I kind of I kind of like the way that they they did it in the localization, like Jean G I N G. Yeah, kind of plays I, off the gun thing, so I, I yeah, kind of like it. Yeah, it plays off, but like at the same time, it's like Jin is a real name in Japanese too, so it's kind of like a cool pun. Um, yeah, Wait, as in J N or G I N G. Jin. Yeah, uh, there actually is a villain in uh, in Detective Conan named Jin. Oh Jean, yeah, and there's a there's a character in uh, Samurai Champloo. One of the main characters is Jin. Oh yeah, Jin and uh, Mugen. Yeah, this is why also there's like an overrepresentation of characters in anime whose names whose name are Jean, J E A N, because mm-hmm. it's just Jean. Mm. Or of course Jean and uh, X Men. Yeah, da 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 da. I was just about to do that too. Da 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 da. Yo, that show was like, I love that show, but like it is the most slapdash in terms of like having you know what the fuck is going on. Cause like last time on X Men, it's just like a bunch of unrelated random bullshit. And you're like, what the fuck? And then they're just like, you just goes to the mansion. It always goes to the mansion. But uh, yeah, I think the 90s had the best super superhero uh, TV. Like they had Spider Man, Batman, X Men. Uh, even yeah. Superman was pretty good to an extent. No, Superman the show is really good. I actually think that's like the best version of Superman where he's not just like terrible all the time. Um, and like also the beginning of Batman Beyond was in the 90s. And like for my money, that's like my favorite version of Batman. I actually really did appreciate Batman Beyond, especially uh, the movie. Because I think that's probably the darkest Batman movie ever. And that's like supposed to be a kid's movie. I, I actually don't like the movie that much. Like I vastly prefer a lot of episodes of the show. I just like the movie just because it has a really good lot of background story, and I thought I thought it was That's unique cool, what they yeah. do with the Joker. I just kind of <laughs> wish they had made it part of the series instead of a movie. Right. Yeah, I did. I did think it was funny at the end that they did canonicize that uh, the the two uh, the two the two uh, Joker girls were actually Harley Quinn's daughters. Or oh granddaughters. yeah, yeah. God. I thought that was really cool. So it made a good connection. But I think that, I think it was implied the entire show, anyways, that that was the case. Um, I don't know if those two were in. Uh were in uh the show or if they were other joker girls i think they were no i remember they're in the show i believe so or it could have been the movie i I can't remember but i do think they were in the show maybe i could be wrong i haven't i i'm i need to rewatch batman beyond go go get dc go get uh, hbo max watch batman beyond again I want to watch the more recent Harley Quinn thing where she's talking with her mom and like her mom says saying the effect of like, I just wanted what all Jewish mothers want. A a doctor who's a daughter. And she's like, I am a doctor. Oh yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Right. Take this. She is. Yeah. Okay. She's also a psychopath. Yep. So 1999 notes uh, in this version, Razor mentions that Gene hired him after he served his sentence. So I think this is probably, not correct and either something bad from like this localization or something bad from this version um anyways i looked up life sentences in japan and they start paroling at about 10 years with exceptionally good behavior so it is possible that's why this version would change it to that or whether that might be what it originally is and like they're just like well this isn't going to be understandable to people in the west where like you could never get parole after 10 years uh yeah yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of a sadness or just a system i i mean i 
part of me understands that, but you know, sometimes it's like there's a lot of harsh life sentences, to be honest, that that have been given to people in the for states. Sure. Yeah, like we could talk about this on another episode, but I'm very much for the idea of like prison should be both about recuperating the individual and doing what is best for society and but the what ours is constructed on is about punishment which is like not actually that useful of an idea because it doesn't deter anything yeah if it, i mean and and the way that prisons are run i mean if you've seen oz that's i mean sadly that's really pretty much what prisons kind of like in the states if you're not familiar with that but uh yeah i was about to be like yeah man i wonder how razor would do in american prisons i'm like oh razor would kill everyone in american he'd you know first day on first day on the yard just kill the biggest dude with a rock yeah no like friggin yeah like prison is like the scariest place because it's like like I, I mean i don't know if maybe i'm just watching the really the really uh exaggerated like ones like the locked no, up real prison like... is really terrible too for the record wait what Real prison is also incredibly terrible, too. Okay, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I would not survive in prison, so. I don't think I would either, man. Yeah. Even becoming, a... like, someone's, like, love toy, I don't think I would become, I don't think I would survive in prison. Yeah. Anyways. Let, let's move on, because I'm getting bad bad vibes now. Yeah. So, uh, Nobunaga tells, oh, did this part not happen yet? I think this part did happen. She just might not have taken a note on it. The Kaluto part. Uh, wait, hold on. No, that didn't happen yet. Oh, okay. Well, then everything else I have after that is null and void. So basically, just mention the part about Razor and uh, tenure beginning of life sentence. All right. <laughs> yeah, and jail sucks. But uh, but yeah, um, I did think that now the manga is really pretty much one to one with the anime. It was really hard to find differences per se besides maybe wording and uh stuff of that nature so yeah you're you're absolutely right um it's very not like basically like all the weird shit happened earlier and the same is true with 99 as well and i think part of that is just because there are parts that togashi wanted to change about the early parts um like in terms of consistency and like other aspects and so I think after this point is where I, I also think that in 2011, they were trying to speed through everything up to this point, because like the reason for making 2011 was like to finish out Greed Island and like start Chimera Ant. Yeah. Was Chimera Ant finished at this at the point that 2011 started or was it still? No, it was still going. But like he had like a I, I don't know if it was a guaranteed contract to finish it by that point or if it was just like a hey, on my word, here's my outline. Like we got this. So it was like either either we're gonna finish it or they'll finish it. So one or the other, basically. And he was just like, I don't want a fucking Full Metal Alchemist 2003 situation on my hands. Yeah, it de definitely makes sense, and I'm glad he glad he finished it up. But uh, maybe I'm, I'm maybe it might be the reason why he's just not writing right now. Maybe he had to like work through that extremely hard to the point where it burnt him out mega to a to an extent that he just had to stop. They also have a kid now, and I. I think I maybe heard something that like the kid might have some developmental difficulties making it harder, but like, I might be wrong on that second point, but they definitely have a kid now. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to say straight up that honestly, I would, I'd be fine with Hunter, Hunter taking a break like a 10 year. If, it, if it's, that's the case, especially with his health issues, because I'm going to be honest, fan, uh, this, God damn it. Joe, yeah, no, we, we talked about mean. this on another episode. Yeah. He should no, do what's like right family, for his health and what's right for his family. Yeah, like I would rather him live a healthy life with his family and, and that and not get Hunter for another 10 years. At least that's my opinion. 
I know some people might view it differently, but I don't know. I'm, I'm big into family and family values, and I swear to God, Joe, if you make a Vin Diesel joke, I'm going no, to No, I was actually you. not going to. I was going to make a Paul That's Walker it. joke because he, the character Brian steps back uh, because, you know, he has to take care of his family. Oh, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that with that. Wow, no. Joke. Anyways. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess the point is, uh, yeah, hopefully – Hopefully he gets all sorted out. I feel really bad for Tagashi if that's the case, though. That really, uh, that really sucks because you know that's that's not easy to have a child with de- developmental issues. Yeah, well, I could be wrong about that. So if anyone wants to write in, or I could look it up after this, but like I could be totally wrong. But anyways, um, yeah, best wishes to Tagashi and his family, though. Much love. Yeah, Tagashi and Naoko Takauchi. Um. Anyways, uh, I have like a little research note here about dodgeball. Dodge. Uh, Yeah. So last episode, while reading the U.S. English Wikipedia article on dodgeball on the podcast, I mentioned a possible precedent in the Dutch traditional game of Tusin Twi Vurin, and I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly, a.k.a. Between Two Fires, a dodgeball game played with one ball with an infield and opposite side outfield. While with further research, I don't think this is the actual basis, I will quickly run down its history as it's an interesting and related game. FYI, uh, FYI, the Dutch uh, wiki article on... uh, Tusen Twervuren actually calls it Trafeball uh, and has a section about American dodgeball, which has a which has become sadly the international variant before uh, going into the traditional game. So the rules of this game, two sides, one ball infield with many players and outfield with one player on the opposite side. The player who are uh, who are out join the outfielder, a.k.a. the king behind the enemy team. The king is only allowed in when two players remain on the team. Unclear if this includes them or not. Uh, and that might be the basis for like the two-person thing that Goan said, but that could just also be a strategic thing. So catching results not only in getting the pitcher out, but reviving a teammate and hitting the head does not count. So the reason I bring this up is I want to get into the history of Japanese dodgeball. Fun story. I'm going to read you verbatim the first sentence of the Japanese dodgeball article translated into English. Because I went on the Japanese Wikipedia. So people think that Wikipedia in different languages is the same. It contains completely different information depending on what country you're looking at, actually. And so here's the Japanese dodgeball article. Dodgeball is a sport or game in which a child's face-sized ball, mostly volleyballs, etc., is used to hit the ball against the body other than the opponent's head. I do like how they use child's face size. Is that a, is that a metric in, uh, in Japanese culture's child's face size? When I told my brother about this, he's like, did did they just measure everything in children's faces? Is that what's going on? He's like, how many children's faces is the court? I need to know. It's it's like uh it's like how we measure things in subway sandwiches. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Anyways, according to Japan, according to the Japanese Dodgeball Association, it was originally brought over from England in 1909 by Gendo Tsuboi, the father of Japanese school gymnastics, as a game called NK Dedoboru, which means circle dead ball. Well, uh, kind of take it take it from a gendo to bring bring a game that brings children pain. God damn it! I didn't even think about that. Anyways, the base rules were there were two teams and it was played inside and outside a circle. Outside team tries to get out people on the inside of the circle until one is left. Teams switch side and repeat the process. The last left in round one and two put are then put inside the circle and everyone else from the outside tries to hit them. And I'm unsure whether they are still on teams, aka if like basically each team is trying to get out the other's representative or if it just becomes free for all. I'm not sure. Um, and I didn't want to like just watch a whole fucking game to find out. 
So uh, in 1917, Michia, uh, Michiakira Nagai, famous Japanese physical education innovator who created much of Japanese elementary school PE curriculum um, that you see in anime. Like basically they did all the, like, you know, that thing in anime where they like do the like um, gymnastics stuff and like it's in every like school kids anime. Sarah, Patrick. Oh, sorry, my mic is muted. My mic is muted. Uh, yeah, uh, what do you mean? Oh, like, so in Cardcaptor Sakura or any kid's anime, basically, they always show, like, kids doing, like, gymnastics over, like, a, you know, gymnastic horse. A gymnastic horse? A course horse. or a horse? Horse. Horse as in a horse that you ride? It's like a, no, so it's horses. So it, it's originally based on that, but it's a gymnastics platform called a horse. Oh, you mean, like, like those bars? Uh, no, it's like a beam plus bars. Uh, long story short, he invented this based on something that he saw when he was in Europe studying because at the time, Japan was trying to imitate Germanic countries' gymnastics programs because they were the only ones that really existed in the world at the time. Oh, and, those ones that they do the spin things on. Okay. Yeah. So he introduced a rectangular court after visiting Germany and seeing German kids playing dodgeball in a rectangular court indoors. He decided to do it outside because of the favorability of the Japanese climate. With the new rules, there are 20-person teams, 15 infielders, and 5 outfielders. The game starts with a jump ball with the winner passing it to an ally. Those who take the ball must not hold the ball for more than 5 seconds. Also, are not allowed to walk more than 3 steps or jump more than 2 times. This is why they had to pass the ball repeatedly. This is why Kiloa like was repeatedly passing the ball with I think it was Gorenu, and he's like, "We can do this, right?" And like that, like line seems completely out of place because they didn't fucking explain any rules. But this is right. why he was doing that. Ah. Uh... So those hit by the ball are dead and go to the outfield. However, if two or more people hit uh, are hit in one pitch, only the first person uh, to be hit will go outfield. So this is a difference Razor made when he talked about the cushion rule. If a person in the outfield hits the infield of the opponent's team, he will be revived in the infield. So this was not in uh, the Hunter Hunter version because that would have made this last a trillion fucking years. Um, so it will end when the other when either team is wiped out or the competition time has passed 20 minutes. This is one half, and then they will change courts and play again. The team with the largest total numbers of players remaining in the infield in the two competitions wins. So basically total up your survivors per competition. So these rules have probably changed in Japanese dodgeball since like AKA, like they don't have the revival thing anymore. I think because like every depiction I've seen doesn't really have revival in that manner. And I think the 20 minute time still might be there, but it's not used in children's games. It's more like, Hey, when you have like a semi pro game, like a amateur like league game. Um, imagine, imagine this have a mercy and they just put the thing up and they, everyone revives. Oh, God like, damn it. So uh, this has all sorts of versions that don't exist in the U.S., a.k.a. like the King version of the game, which is similar to the Dutch and German ones. Uh, the And the version with... So there's one version that I wish we had in the U.S. where they put up bunkers and obstacles that you can stand behind. Damn, that sounds like fun, actually. We gotta play that one. Yeah. And so this is the basis of Super Dodgeball, the NES game and GBA game, a.k.a. Niketsu High School Dodgeball Club, which is in the same universe as Kunio-kun and therefore River City Ransom. Yeah, I think the kit was on the Neo Geo as well, right? Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned that. And the Neo Geo version looks sick as hell. The NES one's like, okay, and the GBA, GBA one like kind of is more like the NES one. The Neo Geo one looks cool as hell. Neo Geo, baby, come get it. Gotta get the, that power, the 16 bits. No, 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 it's 24 bits. That's right, it's 24-bit system. Lol. So, 
Um, now to finally get to the point of this, German dodgeball, aka Volkerball, aka Zweifelderball, uh, which translates to people ball and two field ball. You know, the Rammstein album named Volkerball as well. It's it's like the people's ball, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, Zweifelderball, yeah. Zweifelderball. So that's just two field ball. Okay. Yeah. I was Zwei, yeah. Um, so basic rules. The game ends when one team is eliminated. Uh, the origin, according... So, okay, here is what I think is the real origin of dodgeball in the Western world. The American origin is actually bullshit, and I will talk about this afterwards. So, according to the reputable and well-attested German sports historians, it emerged from a ritual war game in Papua New Guinea. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that's in Southeast Asia, but the people there are not what you would think of when you think of Asians. They're people who came there before the rest of Asia showed up. Um, so if you saw like a Papua New Guinean person walking by, you would probably not think, oh, Asian. Um, just look into their culture. Papua New Guinea is a very interesting place that preserves a ton of like ancient languages, etc. cetera. Uh, so they eventually just turned it into an excuse to actually hit each other with flails and weapons. Uh, so the game was known to Frederick Ludwig Jan, the creator of the German gymnastics movement, who lived from 1778 to 1852. So basically, dodgeball had to have at least been in Germany since like 1825, who thought of it as having originated as a war game and sought to abstract the warlike connotations. Yeah, that's so, kind of the vibe I was going to get by that. It's like, yeah, that sounds very warlike. For sure. Uh, so the rules, before the start of the game, each of the two playing parties chooses a king who remains in his outer field until the end of the game. Some This person is also sometimes called the behind man. Okay, so these, these are, I translated these directly from German, so these would probably be cooler if I brought them over, but I just wanted the literal translations. So these are called the behind man, the apparent dead, straw doll, straw man, goalkeeper, herald, border guard, spy, fly, emissary. And in Austria and Southern Germany, they're called the ghost or free spirit. Interesting. I didn't know there's positions in this. This is like a baseball almost. Well, no, these are all the same position. They're just the person behind. Oh, oh okay. It's just different names for it. So the ball holder at the start of the game is determined by a draw or a jump ball similar to basketball. If all the infield players have been hit and the infield is thus orphaned, the king must move into his infield. As a rule, the king now receives the ball and has three lives, which is kind of cool, but that's definitely not what happened in Hunter x Hunter. Uh, only when all of his lives have been used up does the game end. The king leaves the infield again, and one of his teammates from the outfield has hit an opponent, and his teammate plays in the infield again. So basically, you can only revive when you're in the king-only situation. Uh, a player is only considered hit when the ball hits the ground after physical contact. Uh, so here's the interesting thing. The supposed, so, so that's German dodgeball, and that is most likely the real origin of Western dodgeball. The U.S. origin, I'm going to say I'm 66% sure is bullshit, and I will explain why as we go through. So the po supposed history of U.S. dodgeball is descended from Dr British dodgeball. The following is badly sourced and maybe bullshit. Almost no authoritative sites or books make me think that this is bullshit in the disguise to it originally being German. Because if people don't know, a lot of things that originate from Germany were disguised during World War I by Americans and British people who did not want to have anything to do with Germany anymore. Such as, in case people don't know, the largest ethnic group in the U.S. is actually German, but people don't talk about it because they hid their ancestry after World War I. 
Um, yeah. Additionally, there are a ton of towns in the U.S. that used to have German names that have since changed them, such as there. Uh, there's a place called uh, North Canton in Ohio that used to be New Berlin, changed during World War One. The royal family of Britain, originally from Germany, changed their name during World War One. Yeah. And so it is very likely that the U.S. dodgeball game descends from German dodgeball and is about to. T- I'm about to tell you the fake history they made up themselves. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. They even repeat that in World War II by stealing a bunch of German technology as well and not saying it was German, aka all the rockets. Uh, yeah. Actually, even even a tape recording that that whole the thing fascism. Is German. Uh, yeah, that too. Uh, uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, actually, a lot of uh, old fascists were allowed into the U.S. government as advisors because, like, you know, they had, like, a lot of intel. The thing is, you can debate whether or not that influenced U.S. policy. Yeah, and also a bunch of—they also took a bunch of the the, uh, experimentations they did in, like, the— and like the death camps and brought that to us for doctorate and studying and gave pardons to yeah. a bunch of doctors. But, uh, yeah, world war two, baby fucked up beyond any recognition. Yep. Okay. So anyways, there is a lot. So here's a quote from the U S dodgeball thing. Uh, there is a lot of evidence that a game similar to dodgeball was played in Africa more than 200 years ago. It wasn't a fun or even entertaining game. As a matter of fact, it was played with rocks instead of rubber balls and was used to develop the strength and endurance of warriors they would literally throw rocks at each other with the intention of incapacitating them. Some scholars think it went even further than that and that it was a game played to the death. Yikes. Wow, that's some, that's some uh, cybernetic ghost of Christmas past shit right there. Yeah, I was, I was literally thinking, and, <laughs> and it wasn't a holly jolly Christmas that year for many, well, many died. died. <laughs> it's like, and dodgeball still sucked. Yeah, and dodgeball still sucked in a big way. Um, <laughs> Other scholars believe the game originated in Asia, Greece, or Mesoamerica as early as 500 BC. So notice how the German and Japanese ones have very well-established histories going back more than 100 years, and the American one just, like, is weirdly shrouded in myth and mysticism. Weird. Almost like they're lying. Huh, uh, weird, huh? So it gets even weirder. A missionary by the name of Dr. James H. Carlyle, who only exists in dodgeball shit saw what was happening and was intrigued by the agility and ruthlessness of the tribal men, as well as by the solidarity and heart they were showing. He spent many hours watching the men and became besotted with the ritual he saw on a daily basis. When he made his way back to England via Europe, he showed some of his pupils what he had seen. The European men tried, uh, the European men that tried what Carlyle was telling them found they didn't have the natural agility or accuracy to dodge or throw. And what with Dr. Carlyle continuously moving on, he was not able to encourage the people he spoke to about the sport to carry it on. It was only when he returned to his teachings at St. Mary's College in Norfolk that he was able to transform the vicious training into an all-inclusive game. Why does why stories like this always involve stealing stuff from native tribes? What the Stealing fuck? stuff from native tribes and then saying that other Europeans are too bad at sports to do the sport. Yeah, that, uh, that's very racist. I don't know what the fuck... Man, what is wrong with our human history? So... He changed the rock and petrified matter for a leather ball, which was still hard, but not dangerously slow. Not dangerously so. The sport was played on an open field with no restrictions as to where players were able to go and was played as if a game of chess or war, with players moving strategically to try and trap an opponent. A player was only out if the game when they were knocked to the floor by the continuous blows of the ball. Players would look to bat the ball away with their hands in an effort to deflect the power away from them. This was played for the next century in much the same way with only minor variations. 
So I'm going to put it out there. This guy supposedly lived after the German people had brought it not only to Germany, but to like all the Germanic countries, like the Netherlands already had a dodgeball game. So I am highly doubtful that this version predates the German game, which is based on Papua New Guinean culture, and that they just changed out Africa for Papua New Guinea because they're like, this will be easier to explain to people in the US and England. Yeah, that's... Uh... Uh, Another thing, these rules sound kind of cool, the idea that you're not out unless you get hit down, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, man, have fun with your brain damage. Hey, man, that's the way it was back then. That's the good old days when we were beating each other to death with rocks and, uh, and like, knock each other out and giving concussions. Yeah, but the idea of blocking the ball as, like, a valid strategy till, so you don't fall down is actually kind of cool. That's fair enough. Um... Anyways, in 1884, St. Mary's College played host to a number of their colleagues from Yale University. Included within that party was Philip Ferguson. Philip Ferguson is generally regarded as the person most responsible for taking dodgeball over to America and popularizing it. He saw the boys of St. Mary's College playing it, and he hit upon the idea for the game that would make it quicker and faster. He brought in the idea of playing within a set area with teams on either side of the pitch. Once the sport made it back across the pond to America, it was there that the details of the sport we know today were fleshed out. 1905 saw the first official rules drawn up, which included the rules regarding players coming in after a catch and being hit once and you were out. With the, college, uh, with the colleges across America playing each other, it enabled the sports to spread like wildfire. News of this emerging sport made, it, uh, made its way back to England and the American popularized rules became the norm of which all dodgeball matches were played. So... I'm leaving some possibility that this is not complete bullshit, but maybe slightly inaccurate, but I think it's complete bullshit, most likely, 66% chance. And I'm going to say it's probably a German game. Probably, I, I don't believe this, this fucking missionary really existed, or if he did, it's malattributed. But I do think that like the later guy, uh, Philip Ferguson, does exist, and maybe he was the one who had to say, it's not from Germany, I swear. And so he might have possibly invented or misattributed things to Dr. James H. Carlyle. Do you think he maybe might have done it not out of malice, but out of the fact that he wanted to play it and not be called a, called a fascist or whatever? Or be oh, yeah, definitely. I, I don't, yeah. I'm not attributing malice to this dude. I just think it's probably a lie. Yeah, it's kind of weird that they did that. Did that. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I get, I get that uh, Germany kind of caused two world wars and stuff, but it's kind of crazy that the... Uh, it was that anti-German rhetoric that existed back then. And not even 100 years later, it's like, yeah, we cool Germany. Yeah, not only are we cool with Germany, but like, remember, again, the largest ethnic group in the U.S. is Germans. But just a lot of people don't realize that they are German just because so many people were so scared out of their own culture that they like just became, quote unquote, white. Weird. No, and so like, they actually, not only did they become, quote unquote, white, they became pretending to be English. Yeah, it is still kind of funny to me that the royal family is German of nature and nature. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, like even the English people, like the English people are like a genetic hybrid, but between like people who yeah, lived in like the British Isles. I was kind of learning about that because I think they refer to them as the German, uh, like Prince Philip. And looking back, I think it's just because of all the intermarrying that happened across all these like western european countries you know just uh <laughs> it's partially that it's also because most royals across the entirety of europe were eventually from germany 
And this had to do both with German military prowess, but also with uh, Germany had many subdivided kingdoms. So it was easier mm -hmm. to find nobles from Germany because there were more nobles to be had. So right. if you had to marry a noble as a noble family from anywhere, the easiest place to go was Germany. Makes sense. Makes sense. But yeah, no, it's a uh, very bizarre, this mm -hmm. whole thing. It's kind of funny how... Germany was all in the middle of this and, and, and a bunch of things, per se, and just Europe in general. Whether it's causing wars or causing marriages, it's like, uh, or causing dodgeball games. So it's, a, it's very interesting. Yeah, German history is very fascinating because, like, they went through periods of both having a unified kingdom and, like, being, like, basically city-states. And, like, the city-state period of German history is actually very fascinating because, like, in many ways, it reminds me of, like, the Greek city-state uh, period. And then the unification was something that a lot of people wanted and then, like, kind of regretted because it resulted in a homogenization of the Germanic cultures. Yeah, that's fair enough. And it, it's kind of interesting how I think you were saying that Yiddish also has, has a lot of basis in German or German. Yeah, most of Yiddish is German, like structurally. Uh, vocabulary, that's a different question because like there's a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Slavic languages, a little bit of like other languages from the area. But structurally, uh, Yiddish is just German. Man, Europe sure is extra, isn't it? Just a little bit. Um, if you guys have never read the book Guns, Germs, and Steel... You should check it out. It's a pretty cool history book. The reason I bring it up is the author makes a point that like, hey, history had a lot less to do with like the ambitions of people and more of the resources they were given and that Europe had like an interesting mix where it was physically divided enough internally that it was hard for kingdoms to easily conquer each other, but it was still easy enough to transport goods as a, and he contrasted this with India, which like has way harder barriers to transportation um, and China, which has way less barriers to transportation and how it kind of like resulted in uh, the growth up to like from the Iron Age to the uh, Industrial Age. And like, I don't think it's completely right about all its conjectures, but I do think it holds up until you get to the Industrial Age. It's an interesting book. It's fascinating how much geography has to do with the way that our world history had played out. Yeah, he also, the reason for the title Guns, Germs, and Steel is because he also points out that, like, part of that, like, uh, trade, uh, ease of trade uh, had to do with, like, hey, how much diseases are you going to spread between yourself and, like, people? And, like, because of that, Europeans showed up to the New World. So even if Europeans hadn't, uh, you know, been, like, very violent in the colonization of the New World, they might have still killed tons of Native people by virtue of just, like, endemic parasites that they didn't realize they had. Yeah, no, that makes sense because I mean a lot of I mean that's still a big tr issue nowadays with the uh, with sent the Sentinelese, where mm -hmm. we can't really interact with them because we could be at I think at one point they did get really sick and a lot of them died at some point. Yeah, because of that interaction intrusion of germs. So it's yeah. definitely fascinating that nowadays we still have tribes and people that we can't interact with because we could literally kill them with just a common cold or not even a cold at all, just our germs. Yeah, uh, I guess like last note on this, but um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but in Brazil, a lot of like native people who were like living in cities when coronavirus started happening, basically like took canoes and went back to traditional places in the middle of the Amazon and like went back to living. This is going to sound like a joke, but I mean this went back to living in tree forts because they like realized like we cannot be near anyone right now. Oh, that's actually kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, because, like, them, in comparison to the surrounding population, have, like, an even worse response to coronavirus. Yeah, because th th if, if that was the case, yeah, that would make the most sense, because they could literally, it could literally be e extremely lethal for them. Yeah, and these were people who were living, like, modern lives. They're just like, we need to get the fuck out. It's just taking, taking a little break from, uh, from the hustle and bustle of the cities, you know? 
Sometimes yeah. we all need that. I don't know. Personally, I think I think we all need to return to nature and in that aspect. Oh my god. Well, so it just to compound the situation, uh, Bolsonaro, the president of uh, Brazil, um, hates natives, uh, thinks the coronavirus isn't really a big deal, and also is burning down a lot of the rainforest specifically to kill natives. What a fucking asshole. Yep. Great times. Brazil, wow. baby. Well, literally don't go to Brazil. Hey, it's me. I'm the Brazil, baby. Fuck off. But no, it's, it's, it's like, you know, welcome to Brazil. It's like, please don't come to Brazil. Stay yeah. away. Don't come to Brazil. Oh, damn. Damn, what is with the world? I think India is the same way with their, their leader. It's pretty much mishandling. Oh, well, I, I feel bad now. I was like, wow, I'm like uh, throwing stones in glass houses with leaders that, that, mis, uh, that, uh, that uh, mishandle COVID. Yeah. Um, anyway, dodgeball, baby. Yeah, <laughs> dodgeball. dodgeball. <laughs> it was not a holly jolly game for many. Mm. Died. Uh, are we going to speak about the origins of the dodgeball cannon, though? You know, I'm going to, like, one last time, I'm going to Dr. James H. I'm going to Google Dr. James H. Carlisle and see. Maybe I just missed it. But I have a feeling the only places I'll find him are fucking dodgeball shit. What about if you Google him and you just have a picture of Stormy with his dodgeball cannon? Wait just a second. Is okay. I was about to... I was like, oh, shit, maybe I'm wrong. And then I looked it up, and, like, the only... J- like James H. Carlisle I could find is a dude from the, the States and not at all the same guy they're talking about. Don't even got a cool picture of him at all. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm basically just finding that this is probably bullshit. Yeah. That's more than likely the case. Yeah. I really wish we could find all the things that used to be German and weren't hidden and just like correct them. Because, like, I have a feeling this will probably be something that will be done later. But, yeah, you get the idea. Anyways, uh, I think that's it for the episode. Unless you guys, I mean, do you guys have some some thoughts about both the history of dodgeball and, like, the, the episode? Yeah. Personally, I think we should have a new podcast called The, uh, the German Busters, where we bust if it's German or not. <laughs> oh, man. You're going to bust <laughs> if it's German? Uh, yeah, I'm going to bust some rhymes in German if it's German. Uh, how do you say busting makes me feel good in German? Uh, macht me, macht me something so gut. Macht me, uh, uh, I don't know how to say feel in German. Feel in German. Yeah. Wow, you don't know how to say, you don't know how to express your feelings in German? Crazy. You should speak Deutsch. I don't speak good German. That's all I can say. Boston macht mich so gut gefühl. Could you could you send that to me in a chat so I can try saying it with the tune from Ghostbusters? Gotcha. Hold on. Well, I guess to go overall thoughts of the episodes, I thought they were pretty exciting. I mean, it's like always that thing, like classic Hunter Hunter. We had like that big, almost like battle confrontation. It ends very anticlimactically. <laughs> but you know, I feel like at this point, like I signed up for this and. It, I, it's like a, I guess it's like a good twist because it's like you think like with the end of like the game, like I don't know, Razor's gonna get pissed off, but really he just ex- accepts the loss graciously, which I don't know. It's like it's good sportsmanship, 
for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah, what did you think about, like, so I think Hisoka could have beat Razor the whole time and he just didn't do it until the end because he wanted Gon to actually go through it. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like, I mean, Hisoka's just kind of there just to be there. He's bored. <laughs> yeah, like, so. when he, like, uses bungee gum on Razor's arms, I'm like, he literally could have just done this at any time. Yeah, but, you know, maybe he just wanted to gauge, like, how strong um gone has gotten since the last time he saw him i think that's the case actually you know what there is more that i want to say about these episodes um the reason being i was going to say uh the 99 version of this is not good <laughs> um i i honestly think in 99 they thought the more important part was the next part like the fight with genthru and the manga is that way too where the dodgeball game is like not as important and i think it will probably come as a surprise to people who are mostly 2011 fans that like straight up it's 2011 only where the dodgeball game is that important or portrayed as so dramatic. But that's half the fun of it. No, it's, it's very good. In fact, I think it's a great addition and I wish uh, like 99 had done it this way, but I see why they didn't just because it wasn't considered that big in the manga. Um, also, I would say in the manga, like Jing in the flashback looks exactly like Yusuke, like literally no difference. While in 2011, he kind of looks like Yusuke. What's interesting is in 99, they went out of their way to make him look nothing like Yusuke. And I could probably find you an image. And I think they did it because they, it was 1999 or like it was close enough to 1992 that they're like, we don't want to remind people what this is. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I will find you the image because it is striking thought it was a good couple episodes i'm excited to see so this is like the not quite the climax but almost like the climax of the arc exactly wait sir you still haven't like gone ahead right i think i only watched how i like one episode good good so i'm pretty so high i was like wait i i stopped myself i, I realized i was like oh no <laughs> i'm into like the other the episode 42 <laughs> so i soft um so i'm not that far ahead so check out what i just posted in the podcast chat because you'll see how 99 went another way to make him look nothing like yusuke and like the manga he is exactly yusuke oh, oh yeah, yeah that's a picture that you used for the uh for for that episode of uh 99 we did the uh the ova yeah the 98 ova yeah yeah the 98 ova i gotcha also, look how in the uh, 99 version and in the manga, Razor clearly has bleach blonde hair when he was younger. Damn, he is pretty fucking cool, not gonna lie. Yeah, that was very, like, Japanese tough dude in the 90s was to have, like, a mullet. I'm not joking, like, the Asian mullet combined with, like, it being blonde. How come I'm imagining a Japanese Billy Ray Cyrus? Oh, God. Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, I'll speak of that. I put that uh, bust that makes me feel good in German in the chat. Which chat? The oh, I'll put it in the podcast chat and the thing. There you go. It's it's Busten macht mich macht mir gut Gefühl. Busten macht mir gut Gefühl. Yep, that's it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Uh, please hit us up with questions, requests, or just a chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Also, heads up, check us out at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod and join our patron-only Discord where we'll be discussing the shit out of Hunter Hunter, Yu Hakusho, and much more. 
And speaking of Discord, if you want in but don't have the funds, you can help us out by giving us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Send us a link, your Discord name, and enough evidence to connect the two, and we got you. Each review gets us surfaced to tens or hundreds more people. And finally, uh, our outro music for today was made by Studio Mega Ane. Check them out on YouTube, Twitter, and most importantly, iTunes. And shout out to our amazing editor, Tommy. Thanks to him and the, re the rest of the crew can focus on doing more research and talking all things Tagashi. Alright, see you guys on the other side. Later. Bye. Podcast patrons make me feel good. 